and carry the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal, no way, go somewhere else for that. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. Oh, I'm Carrie Poppy as well. <laughs> and I'm Ross Blotcher. And this time we are traveling to Bonnie, Scotland. Yes. For the Loch, Loch Ness. Oh, I should say from the outset, my Scottish accent is so bad okay. that if I attempt to do it during this episode, it will become Jamaican. It will become... <laughs> East Coast, it will become Ireland, Australia, England. All right. We're not going to be able to track it. Oh, I'm not even going to attempt that. Oh, I I am. She's doing it anyway. (laughs) You went went straight to like Eliza Doolittle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that an American doing a Cockney accent? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Good, good, good. Well, I love Dick Van Dyke. Anyway, we're going to Scotland because, in our minds, because we're talking about the Loch Ness Monster. Ooh, this is one of my favorites. I love talking about cryptids. Uh, yeah, I'm get- I got more into it this time researching this one. Cryptids oh, aren't usually my thing, but kind of realizing where this came from, I found very funny. Yeah. Which we'll get into, I assume. So I was on an awesome trip. Last year, uh, at the end of 2022, my wife and son and our good friend Charles, we went to London and then Edinburgh and then Inverness. And of course, we had to stop by Loch Ness. So I've been eager to tell you the story about how I found the Loch Ness Monster and we played patty cake, but that'll come later. Oh, whoa. Okay, yeah. Yeah, just bearing the lead. Yeah, (laughs) fair. Well, I don't know too much about the Loch Ness Monster. Of course, I know that she lives in a lake because lock means lake. Mm -hmm. And I assume that lake is named Ness. We've just lessened the mystery around the Loch Ness Monster, (laughs) because, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. And she has been spotted many times sticking her head up above the water. And I'm saying she, because... We know it's a she, at least. Yeah, people call her Nessie, which sounds vaguely female. Narrowing the mystery further. (laughs) But I think no one knows for sure, and in fact, she may not exist. Yeah, getting her personal pronouns will be probably the last stage in the unraveling (laughs) of the mystery. (laughs) When we get to that interview. Oh my God, Nessie, if you're listening, we want you on the show, please call. Well, and this is inviting the the point that isn't brought up too often, which is that you need a breeding population if Nessie is to have lived into the present age from eons ago when Loch Ness was formed. We'll talk more about that. But either you have the last remaining creature that's going to die off at the end of whatever their lifespan is, or you have hopefully more than just a few individuals Mm -hmm. because that doesn't create a lot of genetic diversity Yeah, if you just have the same three or four individuals. So I don't know. We always just picture this one creature that lives forever. It's Mm -hmm. the little Baba G of the Scottish Highlands. Good point. So yeah, you did a little bit of looking into this topic. Yeah, let me tell you just about what I know about Nessie from the History Channel. Okay, cool. So I imagine this is how the History Channel, great source of information. (laughs) Right. Yes. Notoriously unresearched (laughs) operation. Yeah. You were texting me as you were looking this up and you're like, wow, 
History Channel's really bad. Yeah. And I mean, I, I knew it was bad, but like. It's like the nickelback of uh, <laughs> TV channels where everybody kind of loves to rag on it. Mm. But I've never owned cable, so I've only seen History Channel when I've been like at somebody else's house. The Raelians showed us some History Channel. Remember that? See? Yeah. I went to somebody else's house. <laughs> I don't remember her name, like Sophia or something. Anyways, like oh, the, wow. the regional leader and mm-hmm. uh, saw it that way. Yeah, exactly. I haven't watched that much of it either. <laughs> yeah, because it's. You have to, in order to know whether you're looking at good information, you have to stop every 10 seconds and look at what's on the screen, pause, go look that up, because yeah. they are not going to be fact-checking this for you. Yeah, the, the producers are about eyeballs and not about historical factualness. Yeah, I remember it being kind of like the World War II channel growing up. Right, I think that's kind of evaporated. And now it feels like they've sort of been taken over by, what, ghost hunters? and Well, like the ancient alien stuff, I think, is the yeah. big deal. Yeah, that's sort of alternative history, uh, conspiracy lore, but I don't think they go like QAnon, I don't think they go that modern or that controversial, just the like Nessie exists, Bigfoot's real, sure, that stuff. Okay. But so, the clip that I was able to find from History Channel about Loch Ness stars William Shatner. Oh, okay. Star Trek fame. And everyone knows I love Star Trek. I love it. It (laughs) Yeah, your favorite. In space, William Shatner is the captain. Yeah. And they fight great battles. Mm. (laughs) They go to other planets. I'll say that's, yeah, that's not the focus. The focus is to find new undiscovered life on other planets and then observe them. And if they're ready, invite them to the Galactic Federation. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe this makes sense. It's actually, it's very progressive. It is a cool series. Yeah, I I remember hearing someone who worked on it speak once, and it seems like that. Okay. Okay, well, listen. William Shatner hosts a series called The Unexplained on History Channel. Okay. And apparently they find Loch Ness to be unexplained. Now, I have to say. Yeah, when your show is called The Unexplained, that tells me you don't really want to tie things up in a nice, neat way. Touche. Yeah, I'm just going to make one called Explained. (laughs) (laughs) Gary Bobby explains it. It's over. The Explained. Yeah. (laughs) So here is how the segment on History Channel about the Loch Ness Monster begins. Loch Ness, Scotland, December 2018. On a blustery winter afternoon, military historian Ricky Phillips is walking his dogs along the misty shoreline of Loch Ness when he spots a strange disturbance in the murky waters. I was walking along the line of the River Oik. The River Oik runs down into Loch Ness. But it's absolutely lovely. And I went and I stopped and I took a photograph over it. So I was sort of one eye on the phone, one eye on the dog. There was a strange noise. My dogs went crazy. As I looked down, there was something in the photograph. The grainy image appears to show a sinuous figure rising from the dark gray waters of the loch. It's unclear what type of animal the photograph reveals. But many researchers analyzing the photo believe it could be the latest evidence that confirms the existence of an infamous creature from lore and legend that is known as the Loch Ness Monster. So first of all, William Shatner's voice gorgeous oh yeah that was beautiful narration and he didn't have to say the word sabotage is he bad at that he says sabotage (laughs) oh it's really fun there's not okay there's this clip online where you can hear him recording an audiobook and he gives a delivery and they say oh that that was great bill uh can you go back and do uh we heard sabotage can you can you say this as sabotage 
He says, you say sabotage. I say sabotage. Wow. And he like, he sticks to his guns. And then someone goes back and finds old episodes of Star Trek where sure enough, Captain James T. Kirk is saying, they're trying to sabotage us. Spock. Wow. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Beautiful narration. Yes, indeed. I didn't mean to sabotage your point. A little rigid of him. Okay, so as you heard in that intro, he talks about someone named Ricky Phillips. Yes. Who saw maybe something the Loch Ness monster. Now, have you seen Ricky Phillips' photo? I had to go look it up. I haven't. I don't I don't think so. And okay. I noticed that they were saying it wasn't in the loch itself. It was in That's a tributary, right. the river Oik. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oik. Yeah, which uh, they were saying flows into Loch Ness. and Yeah, it's at the south end. Okay, okay, and it's deep. Yep, I saw this. I know what we're talking about. Okay. What's so interesting about the story is he didn't actually see this with his eyes, right? He mm. took a picture while his dogs were distracting him, and then he looked back at his camera, and he saw this. Oh, that's always an interesting part of the storytelling. That seems to happen a lot with ghosts. ghosts. I didn't see it in the moment, but when I looked at the photo later, okay, and Carrie's showing me something that is vaguely reminiscent of the famous surgeon's photo that we all think of mm. in relation to Loch Ness. You've got a long neck well i'm you know i'm already labeling it but you know something that looks like a long neck with kind of a pointed bulbous head at the end of it casting a shadow and it's very zoomed in mm-hmm. we don't see all the context why would he take a picture of just that little piece of the lake so i imagine there's an original photo that's much larger yes good point that will actually kind of come up okay, okay. that's always yeah one of the first questions asked when you see a ghost photo is like why was this person taking a photo in the first place? Right. Sometimes they'll be so like framed that you will feel like, oh, there was intent in this. Like you mm. wouldn't, this photo mm-hmm. would not be at all compelling unless you knew that figure was supposed to show up. It's like those Instagram videos where they're like, you won't believe what we caught on tape. It's like <laughs> someone refusing a proposal and then it feels like acting. And I'm like, but why were you taking this yeah. at this basketball game? Mm-hmm. Who are you? What's the story? I need more info to believe this. And I kind of worry even putting that out, like saying that that's something to watch for, because that's just going to make for better fakes. But whatever, get yeah. your increase your game, fakers. <laughs> but yeah, what did you find out? So Ricky Phillips, I had to go look him up. He is also a tour guide. Okay. Tour guides and innkeepers and members of the tourism industry seem to come up a lot in cryptozoology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're an innkeeper... You're trying to keep the inn. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> by driving people to it. And one way uh-huh. is by convincing them that there's a monster in the lake next door, which is interesting because the Hodag in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, where my mom and stepdad live. The famous live, Hodag, yeah. Yeah, was also created by someone in the tourism industry who was trying to fill his hotel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So could be, could not be. So Ricky also gave a written interview to a blog spot blog called Loch Ness Mystery. And so he answered the FAQs he's getting all the time because he's getting sick of these. Mm-hmm. So one is, what did you take the picture on? And he said it was my Huawei Mobile, which is, I guess, a phone that's more popular in Europe. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then he said, and before you ask, yes, it's old. Okay. Okay. It's it's an old smartphone, we assume. Well, it's got a camera. Yeah. And when you showed me that photo, it was pretty much monochromatic. It was just like blue and black rather than like a full color photo. Yeah. There's no trees in the background or anything. It's really cropped in. Yeah. And it's really grainy. Yeah. Like kind of remarkably grainy for a cell phone. Ah, yes. The low information zone. (laughs) Yeah. Liz. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. As Mick West uh, calls it. Liz. So, okay. Next question. He gets asked all the time. 
do you think it's Nessie? Because I guess he had been kind of tight-lipped. He was kind of playing mm-hmm. that little mysterious, like, who knows? And so he got sick of people <laughs> oh, saying, like, That's a great straightforward question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you think it's Nessie? What do you think you captured there? Yeah. Now I'm thinking about Lizards in the Liz. I feel like there's a good article there somewhere. <laughs> do anyway. you want me to give you a moment to think more about Liz? <laughs> yes, please. Okay, I'm good. Okay, go. <laughs> okay, so do I think it was Nessie? So... He makes a very fair point that when the media covered this, especially the Daily Mail, these rags that are very famous for sort of upticking their stories, he said, I never actually said Loch Ness Monster to any of those reporters. Mm. I just said, I saw this. Isn't it interesting? And yeah, I knew that I was sort of playing with this myth, but I I wasn't saying it was Nessie outright. Okay. Fair, but... That feels very indicative of how all these disparate stories come together, but Mm. okay, but... Okay, but... Then later, way down in this Q&A, he says, now, if you ask me, is there a Loch Ness Monster? I'm going to tell you yes, but I'd be a fool to think there's been only one for all these years, maybe a small colony of something we don't know about. Now we're talking, now we're thinking about how this could actually work zoologically. Right, right. Enough people have asked me this question that I stopped to think about it. (laughs) Um He also said that whatever it was, it sounded metallic, a bit like Darth Vader sneezing. Wait, wait. So he heard a sound, but he didn't realize he was taking a photo of an object? Or was there sound on the, like he recorded a video? His dogs were reacting to something, and he kind of heard the noise kind of overlapping with the dogs. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to snap some photos. And he was already taking a picture of the lake when the dogs kind of jostled him. Oh, I really want to see the (laughs) the photos before and after on his photo reel. Oh, well, that's so interesting. Here's the next FAQ. (laughs) Okay. Where's the original photo? Yeah. Here's his reply. Well, here's your hmm moment, doubters. Okay. Yeah, I'm already hmming. That phone is so full of stuff that it doesn't store any more photos. Yeah, bring it to us. We'll grab what's we can on get there. It. Yeah. Occasionally, one photo gets through for no reason I can understand. So when I take a photo, if I like it, I have to immediately share it to my social media in real time or send it to myself. I'm only lucky I remembered after I had zoomed in and screenshotted it. Otherwise, there's a 99% chance it would have vanished. I can hear you all going, hmm, from here. That's it. Yep. Okay. Wow. Yep. You're right. We're going "Hmm," from here. It's not great. (laughs) Sure. Could that have happened? Maybe, but uh, not great. So that's where we're starting. That's where Shatner wants us to start. This is his big case. Uh-huh. Yep. And I got to say, I haven't stumbled across that particular image before. Okay. From the outset, though, I'll say, like, it feels like there's a major new sighting photo video kind of on a yearly drip. Mm, oh, like okay. Every year has its, like, sensational, wow, that's the best one we've seen. Interesting. I mean, that, I guess, makes sense as cameras get better. Well, no, I'd kind of expect that to go the other way, I guess. I've been looking up that phone model. That's a Chinese phone model, but that is neither here oh, nor okay. there. Just throwing that out. So, next talking head we get is someone called Ken Gerard. Good his, name. Yeah. His uh, Chiron says cryptozoologist. So, he says that the Loch Ness Monster is, you know, the most famous monster reported. And then he says reported around the world. I was thinking, well, no, Hmm. Uh, have to be in Loch Ness to be the Loch Ness monster, but sure. I would say if we're focusing on cryptozoological monsters, I would say, yeah, it's top tier. We're talking like Bigfoot, Nessie. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And so he says, we have compelling photographic evidence. So I'm like, great. Okay, I can't wait. There's going to be more photographic evidence. 
So the next thing we see is a picture of a newspaper. It's very brief, but all we see is the headline, which says, Strange Spectacle on Loch Ness. What is it? And the byline, as you'll see, is from a correspondent. Yeah, and this is on a newspaper where it's clearly a black ink on newsprint Mm-hmm. paper and this is in red it looks like someone photoshopped out a headline and added their strange spectacle on Loch Ness what was it interesting I think okay. that is a modified newspaper headline okay the headline is real but you're right that the art is recreated because it's from the Inverness Courier and oh is this the one from 1933 let's see what year is it Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah. and um, That was the first time Loch Ness Monster appeared in print. Ah, uh, okay. And, and 1933 happens to be the year that a movie came out about a very famous monster. Oh, which one? King Kong. Uh, so everybody's already thinking about uh-huh. mo- uh, animals that aren't quite the animals we know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Interesting. So, yeah, the Inverness Courier article, perhaps you've seen it. Yes. It looks like this. Mm-hmm. Um, the only photos I could find were pretty grainy, so I don't really blame the History Channel for recreating it. Oh, I see. And they just uh, colored the text red. Okay. Yeah. So, I, oh, okay. I'm, I'm a little less suspicious of that. Yeah, that part I'll let go. But boy, is there some I won't. So, again, the byline is attributed to a correspondent. That's mm-hmm. it. No name. So we can't go and ask the reporter, right? The source is named say they saw something many feet long rolling and plunging for fully a minute about three quarter miles from shore. In this case, the witnesses were driving along the north shore of the lake when this happened. And these sources Mm -hmm. are described as a well-known businessman and his wife, a university graduate. Okay, well, let's make him a little better known. What's his name? Can we talk to either of them? (laughs) Yeah. Can we find the correspondent? Could this all entirely be made up? (laughs) Indeed. Okay, yeah, all the flags are raised. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, next we get Gary Campbell, the founder of the Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, he comes up in some stats I was looking for. Oh, nice. Okay. So he tells us, and maybe you've heard this, that the Loch Ness Monster is actually first recorded in 565 AD. Yeah, we'll be talking about St. Columba again. Okay, good. This this is just very brief in here, but I was already like, there's no way that's true. And then, then he said there have been hundreds of sightings throughout the year and thousands of eyewitness accounts, which kind of tripped me up until... I texted you and asked you to kind of make sense of that for me. And you Mm. were saying, okay, well, maybe it's eyewitness accounts are per person and sighting means an event. So an average of roughly 10 viewers per sighting. Good point. Yeah. That could cause a problem. It's an order of magnitude. But, you know, it's an area where you can, I guess, kind of fudge on wording there. But I will say from multiple sources, I've been hearing thousands of witnesses. You know, like that, that gets thrown around a lot. Okay, so... His big example, this is my favorite part. Okay. His big example is that on July 15th, 1965, nine eyewitnesses observed the animal moving around for up to an hour. And the witnesses included a veteran Loch Ness investigator and a local police sergeant. And we, we trust the police. What? 
Oh, just, you know, like name dropping a police officer oh, right. without any name attached. Oh, true. Just feels like the imprimatur of a police officer. They wouldn't lie. Right, right. And can't be wrong about what they see. They would and they can. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, on July 15th, 1965, nine eyewitnesses observed the animal moving around for up to an hour. So there's the veteran investigator, the local police sergeant, the local county surveyor, and six other eyewitnesses. Mm, but none of them were university graduates. <laughs> That's not mentioned. <sighs> and he says, and what they all described was identical from different vantage points around the lock. Yeah, okay. And, yeah. And how did you ask them and when? But okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. Okay. Interesting. So as he's saying this... This image of a newspaper flashes on the screen. It's so brief. Like, I really had to fight for this Freeze screenshot. Frame. Okay. You'll see. It says... That is not meant to be read by anyone. Exactly. So it says, Loch Ness Monster still alive. Alive is in quotation marks. Okay. Okay, so I go to my newspapers.com account. I find this article. Oh, wow. Loch Ness Monster still alive. It's from the Salt Daily Star, July 16th, 1965. A person named William Cameron is really the source of all this information. Okay. And he and his friend were standing on the edge of the lake when they saw whatever it is they saw. Hmm. And they say they kind of saw this item flipping around in the water and there were nine total eyewitnesses, so uh, he's almost like, you know, defensively almost belligerent in these interviews. He's like, yeah, well, there are other people. Why don't you go ask them? Mm. So I was trying to figure out who these other people are and finally found the source where he talks about it. It's yeah. a documentary, The Secret of Loch Ness. And there were seven strangers on the other side of the lake whose names he never got and he never spoke to. So he was there watching the... Creature flop around in the water, and then he spotted across the lake. Across the lake. It's a big lake. <laughs> I can, I'll show you some footage, but if I'm seeing that there are other people over there, they are tiny little dots. Okay. But he counted them, and he's like, well, they must see it too. Yeah, yeah they're standing there looking at whatever it is he's seeing, and I, I believe he was seeing something flopping around. But they're standing there, possibly just going, huh, what's that? Mm -hmm. What's that about? Mm-hmm. And then they moved but, on with their day. But they're getting invoked as eyewitnesses. simultaneous eyewitnesses. And remember that History Channel said that everyone's account was the same, that all nine people's account were the same. And Seven people were not asked. We already know. Yeah, we didn't hear anything from these people. <laughs> yeah. And people standing on another shore, that's a less extraordinary claim than a sea monster. But right. still, <laughs> right. but still we're taking his word even on that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, it's like Joseph Smith being like, and there were many other witnesses. Right, yeah, or yeah. the Bible saying, and 500 people saw Jesus after he came back from the dead. Okay, who are they? Can, Where? Can we get like six names? Because all we know is that you wrote that 500 <laughs> people were assembled. Right. I also learned in this article, this 1965 article, that the first recorded sighting was by a spinster innkeeper. <laughs> named... <laughs> why, why include that detail? I don't know. Innkeeper, though, I, I'm glad to know. It's a fun turn of phrase. <laughs> yeah, it startled me it, when I read it. It, it paints <laughs> an, Oh, my God. It paints we don't an talk image. like that now. Yeah, the 60s. Okay. Um, By a Keeper named Janet Fraser. Okay. So I go looking for articles about Janet Fraser, and boy, 
she was cleaning up on this shit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I found an article from the Herald Express, September 18th, 1934, where the assessor's office is trying to chase her down about uh, about her property tax for the inn that she owns. Okay. Because all these people are coming into her inn mm-hmm. to see the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she's kind of gotten on the, you know, on the awareness list of the local authorities. So I suspect that the spinster started all of this. She has all this free time because she's not married. <laughs> right. What do you even do then? <laughs> what do you do with your day? There's nothing. You have to make up animals. Okay. So, so far, I'm not very convinced. William Shatner's gravelly voice and the History Channel logo <laughs> in the lower left is not doing it for you? Yeah. Oh, well, it's the lower right. So oh, there's that. That's less convincing. <laughs> Then they show this weird little clip. I don't know if this is truly original footage because it really felt like a reenactment that had been turned gray and grainy for my benefit. Mm-hmm. But it was this video of these two men talking, saying they had seen Loch Ness. They're not identified. We never hear their names, but they're just saying, I've seen a large unidentified object. I've fished her since I was a young boy. They come right out of the water in front of me. And then the other guy's like, yeah, it's difficult to say, but I'd say it's 25 to 30 feet, five to six feet out of the water. Okay. Okay. Say these two men who know who they are. Uh, Gary Campbell, you said he comes up, right? Oh, just when I was looking up one particular stat, I saw his name. So Gary Campbell, the founder of the Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register, he notes that in 2021, we had six sightings by people who were actually beside the loch. And we had another 10 that came from the Loch Ness webcam. Uh Uh-huh. He says the really important thing here is that the Loch Ness Monster and images of the Loch Ness Monster are not just grainy old black and white film. People are still seeing things and recording them today. And then these three photos flash up on the screen. And I did text you these so they won't shock you but Mm -hmm. look at this so carrie's showing me footage from the loch ness webcam which is looking at just one piece of the lake and is clearly set far back from too far away yeah get it closer so that the lock takes up most of the frame please there's like a million trees between you and there put it in a tree yeah yeah, there's 50 percent of the frame is grass and you know the sky and mountains beyond Uh bad but Then on those images from 2021, there's just a part of the water highlighted. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a slightly darker section of the lake. Yeah. Than the rest of the lake around it. It's not a distinct shape at all. I sincerely would not even notice. Those are doing nothing for me. Yeah. If I saw this picture without the highlight, absolutely no way I would notice these shapes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so far, I'm not that convinced. But... Next, we hear from Steve Feltham, who is a Loch Ness Monster Hunter. Yeah, crazy Steve. Oh, yeah, okay. He's got a great sweater vest. Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe you know this, but he shares what the best evidence he's ever gotten for Loch Ness is. Okay. And it is a sonar reading taken by Ronald McKenzie. Yeah. A tour guide. Yeah, okay who was taking his ship over a certain area of the lake, sends sonar down. Which this is was course- 2019, right? I, I think we're talking about the exact same tour boat that I was on. 
Oh, no way. Did you meet Ron McKenzie? No. Okay. It was a different guy there. But uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. Okay, so sonar, of course, is like sound waves you send to figure out the size and depth of an object that's kind of far away. Yeah, sound navigation and ranging. That's oh, what sonar stands, stands for. for. Yeah. That makes sense. If it doesn't stand for something, it'll fall for the Loch Ness <laughs> for Monster. For anything else. <laughs> okay, so this sonar reading is the best evidence they've got. And what is it? It is a... A reading of an object that is 600 feet down, and they say it wasn't there earlier, and it wasn't there later. Okay. They only found it this one time. Yeah, I have a photo I can show you later of this. Okay, great. And then Steve Feltham, the one who's telling this story, he says, photographic experts come back and said that it is probably, do you want to guess what the photographic expert said? Photographic experts. That's interesting because it's not a photograph, but it's a sonograph, really. A oh, sonog- good point. sonogram. Good point. I'm going to say they said it was a giant eel. So I can't tell what he says here. He either says photographic experts came back and said that it's probably an inanimate object. Oh, okay. Which would make sense to me, except mm-hmm. that the sound goes. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, a lot rides on this being animate. <laughs> but. His accent and sort of the way he mushes his words, yeah. he may have said an animal object. Or he said animate object. Or animate. Yep. It's something, so hard. Something moving. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to try to guess which one you think it is? Photographic experts came back and said that is probably an animate object. Oh, I, I feel quite convinced he's saying it's an animate an object. An animate object. Okay. okay it's something that moves. I guess what surprised me about that is i know animate is a word of course but we mostly hear the word inanimate Mm -hmm. so i don't know it seems possible to me said either one i guess my critique there is producers make him say that some other way Mm -hmm. okay so i go and i look up ronald mckenzie he's not interviewed in this which i think is interesting if he's the best Mm -hmm. evidence Mm -hmm. but here's how he described it's the northern times uk he said we were at our halfway point off Invermoriston, where we turn around, the water is 189 meters, 620 feet deep. Um, The passengers were quite excited because we had just spotted a sea eagle. But then I saw on the sonar something more eye-catching. It was right bang smack in the middle of the lock. It was 558 feet down, and we were unable to detect if it was moving or stationary. But it was big, at least 33 feet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, what's interesting to me about that, and that I didn't get any clarity on, but it seems like they were just kind of moving on and then they they saw it in real time, but like didn't go back or stop. Like, well, we gotta we gotta keep the shuttle on time. Right. Let's get the boat back. We have suspicion and we'd like to keep it that way. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like you'd kind of stop and be like, Well, now we're the tracking boat. We like we're not gonna let this thing out of our sight. I don't know. Right. That part of the story just seems weird to me. Yeah, also, like, uh, the bottom of a lake has stuff in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It could be a million things. Yeah, I mean, I'll say it's compelling because they don't usually get stuff like that. But, mm, yeah, okay. yeah. When what you have is what we've seen, that's about the best they've got. Okay, wow. So then they talk about how there are actually different lakes around the world that have Nessie-like creatures. They talk about Okanagan Lake, Lake Champlain, Lake Cuomo, and Loch Ness. And the argument they make is that these are all in roughly the same latitude, though they say 40 to 60 degrees. Oh, that there's a certain latitude, latitude that these creatures 
might prefer yeah, in North yeah. America that extends over to Scotland. Right. Warm. Which is at quite a different latitude. Interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So they say 40 to 60 degrees latitude. That's quite a big chunk. That's a huge range. But okay. <laughs> All right. I guess, you know, sometimes for an animal, you would define certain areas across the world where you'll find it. But yeah, that does seem I, pretty big. But I'm also thinking like... Which countries in the world are more likely to have cell phones and oh, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff? Okay, I'm starting to picture a lot of stuff in that bandwidth. Well, and then there's another Scottish one as well, a lake monster. And then you also have like Mokile Membe mentioned in Africa. Mm. That doesn't fit with that particular band, but you know, okay. There you go. And that's it. That was their whole argument. Okay. We've hit the end of the History Channel argument for the Loch Ness Monster. Right. And I must say... That's not an argument for the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> All right. Well, None I guess that stood up. I guess it remains unexplained. Yeah, I guess so. Well, thank you, Carrie, and no thank problem. you, William Shatner. That that was some. You're welcome. That, that was great narration. I got to say, he he did what they paid him for. Totally. I'm a little disappointed in him because at one point he was willing to say like, no, 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 these things are bunk, and now he's like. You're going to pay me a lot? Okay. (laughs) Oh, really? Was he more skeptical on the record? Well, there was that interview where I forget what he was talking about, but I just remember the other person saying, well, some people think this is woo-woo, and he said, well, it is. It is woo-woo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, we found it, and this is too good not to include. This is William Shatner talking face-to-face with psychic John Edward. And it's really funny, I think my whole goal in, in, in doing this work is to demystify it. Because I think that for so many centuries, it's always been looked at as being this woo-woo, mystical, etheric type John, of thing. John, it's woo-woo. <laughs> not so much anymore, though. <laughs> no. You got it, you got it. No, no, John. No, it's not woo, so much. Woo-woo. But maybe he changed his mind. People change their minds. You know, I can see it being easy to justify. Oh, you've got this script. And okay, I'm not saying it's outright true. I'm mm-hmm. just saying this is interesting. We're all having fun here. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who don't believe but find it fun, like you and I are, mm-hmm. I think we are a little bit alone in still thinking the stakes matter. Some people are like, oh, sure, it's not real, but it's fun. And that's the end of the analysis. But I'm like, oh, no, there's more stakes involved than that. Right, right. We, I think we see more ripple effects Mm -hmm. of this belief whereas I think for a lot of other people it's just a standalone thing like well who cares yeah this is silly fun yeah of course you're right it's good for tourism why are you saying it well let me tell you a bit more about my trip to this part of Scotland yeah so you actually saw Nessie you met her you hung out with her you're wearing a scarf right now it's 93 degrees out yeah yeah this is my Burberry scarf (laughs) that I got from Edinburgh nice you know when you're there you gotta get the um, cashmere Mm. scarves you know and you got to go to the big comedy They're festival. everywhere. Oh, yeah, and which Natalie Palomides is always in. Always. Yeah, I got to go to Edinburgh Castle, which is where that happens. Ah. Well, that, that's kind of a good lead-in because I'd love to tell you all about my trip and show you trip photos, but we'll stick to Loch Ness. I came a little prepared, at least because about a year before we had done an episode on cryptids when I earned my cryptozoology diploma. Yes. So that's episode 314 from December 12th, 2021. If you want to check that out, we do talk a little bit about the history of Loch Ness as I'm going through my curriculum from the school. But because I had done that, I at least knew about St. Columba. Mm -hmm. And so I think my eyes were kind of attuned for that. For example, when we were in Edinburgh Castle, the oldest structure there built in the 12th century 
Wow. Which is just wild to me. <laughs> like, yeah, we're American. We don't do this. Yeah, nothing's that old. But there was this one chapel that's called St. Margaret's Chapel. When I was walking through, I'm showing Carrie a photo inside this arch-shaped building. In the inset windows, there were these stained glass windows, quite lovely, Beautiful. of different figures. And so I noticed that this one was labeled St. Columba. Nice. So I got all excited, like, oh, that's the guy who is always labeled as the progenitor of the Loch Ness monster myth. Yes. Okay. That's always the first example given. So and yeah, I, I'm not convinced that he was talking about the Loch Ness monster personally. Uh, that's a fair statement. But yeah, the stained glass window has him like in purple robes. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful, and he's in a ship. So okay. I'll post a photo on our social media. The ship is where you'd encounter the Loch Ness monster. I'm with you so far. And then when we got to Inverness, we stayed at a hotel right on the River Ness. And it mm. was right next to St. Columba Hotel. Oh, right. So okay. that was kind of fun. I didn't even register that when you showed me this photo earlier. Yeah. So I was like, oh, hey, okay. Yeah, he's, that's cool. He's popping up all over the place. And uh, my first time actually seeing the lake was the night before we went on our tour at the end of another tour where we had seen the uh, battlefield at Culloden and the Clava Cairn stones. We were on our way back and at night we could see the moon on Ness. It was mm. quite lovely. And so already, you know, from the tour bus, I'm, I'm looking out going, okay, oh, wow, this is my chance to like see if I see anything that looks weird on the water. Mm -hmm. So I'm already like taking as many photos and videos as I can. But my first really good look at the lock was on December 5th. And we went to Urquhart Castle, though a lot of the natives were saying something more like Urquhart, something like that. But it's spelled U-R-Q-U-H-A-R-T. Oh, wow. So it looks like Urquhart. Okay, yeah. One of those that you simply won't guess. And another ancient structure, it was built between like the 13th and 16th centuries, but the site was active far earlier before that. And in fact, you have inside the visitor center, you have this banner that I'm showing Carrie. And it says that in AD 850, St. Columba baptized a family of Picts here. So they were the, the native people living in that land. And a certain old man he found there, Emchath, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, was baptized. And that was from a story of his life written by Abbot Adomnan over 100 years later. So all yeah. the stories I think that we have of St. Columba and his life were written 100 years later. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, if the year is 2123 and you're going back through this audio because you want to write my biography. Yes. Like, please use additional sources. Yeah, though at least this is you contemporaneously talking and it's yeah. a clear record of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that, that but means even a lot then, more. Even then, you know, don't yeah. just use this podcast. I'm trying to think like oh, when I'll still be alive. So let's say you talk to me in 40 years and you say, hey, remember that conversation you were having with Carrie about the Loch Ness Monster? Very little of what I'm going to tell you then is going to be useful. Mm -hmm. You go back to this audio if you can. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, so he pops up all over the place at another point. This was very close to one of the spots you mentioned uh, on the side of Loch Ness. We stopped at Inver Morriston to take a hike and there was this St. Columba's well. Mm, well, or, well, well. Or I don't know, you want to try to pronounce that? Fuaran Colum Kiwi. There you go. That's the that's the Scottish word for it. So we were told by our tour guide and the, the signage there that the water at this well was said to be poisonous up until the sixth century. But St. Columba drove out the evil spirits that were around the well. 
<laughs> Wait, okay. hear me out, Carrie. Hear me okay. out. <laughs> and blessed for all time the water coming from it. Uh-huh. Then it became pure and clean and was said to have curative powers. And then our tour guide, Andy, he gave more specifics. He says it's supposed to help with rheumatism, fertility. So it's supposed to give you a little extra oomph okay. in the sack. And instantly cure hangovers. Okay. And he recommended that we did not drink it. And you'll see why in the next picture. I'm showing Carrie what this well looks like. And there's just a lot of things floating well, well, in it. Well. It's, it's kind of low. And um, anyways, he said uh, he, he did take some water from it. And he uh, is boiling it so he can try drinking it after some vodka to see if that works. Uh, the tour guide. Boy, this is reminding me of when I went to Rome. And I stood in the cell that they claimed was where St. Paul was held. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. In that cell, they were like, and right here, a spring of water sprung up just randomly, and he was able to drink this pure water. And oh. I'm, and I'm looking at it, and it's like a hole with like metal around, like they've made a spigot. And I'm like, well, what do you, did this arrive? <laughs> like, d- you're saying the metal grate appeared? Is th- that what you're saying? I think I recall from that story that there was an earthquake and that the gates were open. I don't remember anything about a, a well. I could I could be forgetting that. Yeah, well, well, if it did, they've really altered it since. Interesting. So more encounters with St. Columba. We also visited the old high church in Inverness. Oh, hi. And that's said to be the site where in 565 AD, mm-hmm. St. Columba introduced Christianity to Inverness. Okay. Interesting. Brings Christianity to the people. Okay. I'm so sure they were thrilled. Let me bring up another thing I'll be mentioning occasionally because I also watched last night because it had been on my watch list for a while. And then I saw another mention of this. There is a 1996 Ted Danson film called Loch Ness. Okay. I love Ted Danson. Oh, well, you should see this then. Yeah. Though you'll worry for him the whole way through how he survived the sun exposure required to get that tan. Oh, it's just, gotcha. It's like an uncomfortably dark tan that he has oh, for the whole really? film. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a fairly, he's a white guy. Yeah. A white, white guy. You I know. saw him once in Ojai. Oh, so and you said... Okay, I said, oh, hi. <laughs> I also saw him once on a plane and surreptitiously took a picture oh, of him. Oh, that's right. You sent me that. Mm-hmm. I remember. Ted Danson. Okay. Yep. We've got eyes on you, Ted Danson. <laughs> <laughs> we know that you survived your tan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ian Holm is in the film as well. He plays like the water bailiff. Apparently, there's a designated water bailiff that watches over the lock and keeps outsiders away. Great title. Yeah, except I'm pretty sure that doesn't actually exist. Sure. Anyway, so Ted Danson plays this jaded, down-on-his-luck zoologist from Los Angeles. And they show him in front of USC, so I assume that's where he teaches. And he's all. Lori Laughlin got him in Uh, (laughs) (laughs) by pretending he was on the rowing Uh team. (laughs) Um, But uh, she stopped providing funds because he's he's out of money and he's lost his credibility because he was a Bigfoot hunter in his Mm. youth. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? And so then they send him out on assignment to Loch Ness and he's really grumbly (laughs) about it and he wants to disprove this. Oh, sure. It's like, Uh I'm going to show them. And of course, you know how this plays out and it plays out exactly uh, (laughs) how you might imagine, including the spinster innkeeper who he wins over. uh, Oh, okay. Janet Fraser. (laughs) You know what? I'll say it's worth watching. Yeah, that sounds fun. Don't expect anything great, but yeah, it's fun. 
So anyways, of course, they they mentioned a lot of these talking points in the film. And actually, I thought they did a pretty good job of like getting a lot of the lore in. And there's some great shots of this very beautiful lake. But one thing that stood out to me was that that woman innkeeper is talking about her daughter's ability to see more than the average person. Uh-oh. To have this clear-sightedness okay. that she inherited from the grandmother. And she says, we call it St. Columba's gift. Uh-oh. And so I tried to look this up and I couldn't find a single reference, at least on the internet, to St. Columba's gift oh, outside sure. of this film. So I'm guessing that was Good just phrase. made up for the film. So there we go. We've talked about St. Columba. So people keep mentioning 565 as being the first sighting of the Loch Ness Monster. Mm -hmm. So let's just revisit that. Apparently, St. Columbo was walking with his retinue of monks and whatnot. Oh, my God. I just realized I can just picture this being Columbo, and I'll be doing that from here out. That's funny. In that previous episode, you called him Columbo. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Sure. Peter Falk with a glass eye. That works. So this group finds another group that's burying a man by the river, and they're told that this man had died because of a water beast. Mm-hmm. It should be noted because I've heard it told both ways, but I think the original count says that this is on the River Ness, which is the outlet from Loch Ness. So okay. anyways, a lot of people try to say it was Loch Ness, but this was actually downstream. So they heard that this guy had died of the, the water beast. So to test this, he makes one of his uh, servants start swimming across the water. And then sure enough, this lures out the beast and the guy's all freaked out. So Columba raises his hand. He makes the sign of the cross. I don't know. Do you need two hands for that? I don't know. Yeah, you'd think. I'm not sure how he makes the sign of the cross, but he commands the monster maybe to like go back with all speed. Oh, maybe Carrie's kind of like crossing, crossing her fingers, fingers yeah, uh, in a more dramatic way. It's good enough for a vampire. It's good enough for a lake monster. So yeah, he commands loudly, go back with all speed and scared off the monster. But that is our first sighting, quote unquote. It's so interesting because I would assume that once Janet Fraser makes up the Loch Ness Monster, everyone goes back in time and pulls that example and yanks it in. Yeah. But what do you think? Well, I feel it's something akin to that because, indeed, it goes silent for a long time, right. more than a thousand years. That's too long. There are a few accounts from, like, I want to say mid to late 1800s about a creature uh-huh. there, but those don't seem to catch any kind of, like, big, certainly not international audience until you have that 1933 sighting. Okay, so... I, I'm, the year of King Kong. I'm realizing that I have a really big question. What else lives in the lake? Are there other creatures that are identified? It's a lake. Yes. Oh, yeah. We will right? get to that. Okay. So I'll say okay. that. Anyways, yeah, I think if you talk to anyone in the 1800s and ask them about St. Columba, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I've heard about that guy. Would they know about the water beast? No. That I'm, right. I'm guessing you're right that they went back later and they're like, oh, here we go. Yes. This is close enough. And this is rooted in our Christian history. And oh, this is great. But yeah, I should mention, it is said that he changed water to wine, that he consumed- Whoa, he Jesus con- stuff. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's pretty big. Uh, drove out demons from people. Jesus stuff. Also Jesus stuff. Uh, he consoled a weeping horse. Oh, <laughs> okay, not Jesus. He uh, Consoled oh, a weeping horse? He, yeah, Jesus didn't do that. I need to know a lot more about oh, that. Oh, he calmed storms. That's another Jesus thing. Okay, calming calm a storm. storms and horses. He returned the dead to life. Also a Jesus thing. Yeah. Okay, that's all I've got in my list of St. Columba achievements, but there you go. Yeah, sounds like he might as well have been Jesus. Well, you know, I think that was fairly common for stories of the saints. Like, they all did these things that Jesus did, much like Bob Larson. 
mm-hmm. who continues to do what Jesus did. So we mentioned that sighting in the uh, in 1933 and how it showed up in the newspaper. The famous surgeon's photo was taken the year after, 1934. Okay, so I don't think I actually know that photo. You said it's the one we'd all recognize, but oh, yeah. I- I'm sure I will, but I'm just not picturing anything. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, br- probably the most monster-like of the ones I've seen. Like, it's It is an item of some kind coming out of the water a few feet, bobbing, and it does look like a long neck. And usually cropped in real close to Mm -hmm. the creature and its shadow in the water. Uh, But when you do get the rare sight of the larger photo, you can see that this thing looks quite small Mm. in the lock. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it was... Because, as we mentioned in the cryptozoology episode, it was an admitted fake years later that they found out from the people who did it. Oh, wow. It was called the surgeon's photo because they found kind of a reputable guy to submit it to the Mm. local newspaper. But it was actually masterminded by Marmaduke Wetherell, who is a British game hunter. He had been previously kind of shamed in some other news coverage when he... It's not worth getting into the story. You can go back and listen to that episode. But he enlisted his son-in-law to make this little model. And it was a toy submarine that it was attached to. To to make it look like kind of an aquatic reptile from, from an ancient era. But that's really what got the whole modern movement going. That feels very Cottingly fairies, mm-hmm. those uh, young women who faked some photos to make it look like fairies were in their backyard. Right. And it was years later, someone on their deathbed admitted exactly who the person was who'd submitted it, but it was already known it was a fake at the time. Wow. Anyways. People have so much to say on their deathbeds. Oh, yeah. There was just that recent news story, not on his deathbed, but this guy who was a Secret Service agent who said that he had found an extra bullet in the back of JFK's motorcade vehicle. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, let's not get distracted by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And then after that, it's become like this worldwide thing, you Mm -hmm. know, Nessie. And this is actually well after the Hodag in Wisconsin, which started in the late 1800s. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that also does show us that there was kind of this this sort of thing in the mm-hmm. air. Like it was totally. a thing that you do. You have a totally. lake monster. And, oh, look, people come to your lake uh, to look for especially it. Especially if you run a hotel. Indeed. Um, if you're a spinster. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unmarried so, women, you're all to blame. So our bus driver and tour guide, uh, who was great, who was really fun hearing his local stories and everything, Andy, he was telling us about a guy that had been on his tour the same as we were riding around on his bus. And it was, it was small. It was just us and maybe three or four other people. You know, we were like half the group. Um, but he was saying that a previous person on his tour had gotten a film and it hasn't been published yet, but mm. it, it showed a long neck with a head in the water. And apparently like everybody's saying it's good and worth considering and Crazy Steve, mm-hmm. which is that guy that you were referring to earlier. <laughs> Does he call himself that? Steve Feltham. Feltham? I hardly knew him. Yeah, I don't know if he calls himself Crazy Steve, but and I've looked at his website and didn't see him acknowledging that, but that seems to be the going name for him in town. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought this was a, a you nickname, but you're saying... That's actually how Andy told us the story. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Crazy Steve oh, no. okay. ha- has assured us that it is not a boat. Okay. I wasn't worried okay. that it was a boat, but all right, it's not. And now they have another guy analyzing the footage. So this hasn't been released yet, essentially, is what he was telling us. So great. So you went a few months ago. Have you checked to see if there's if it's been released now? I don't 
think so. I was okay. trying to look for what would match that description. Uh, but now there's another guy, Adrian Shine, who mm -hmm. is analyzing the footage. So he's going to be like the real expert to tell okay. us what to think of this footage. But, I remember that name. His name came up in my research, too. Yeah. And our tour guide was telling us, oh, yeah, he looks like Gandalf. And sure enough, if you look up Adrian Shine, you'd be like, OK, oh, yeah, okay. that's quite a beard you got there. James Nicely Randy. done. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So another thing we were told is that there's this monetary prize, speaking of James Randi, on the table that you could win a million pounds if you get a clear unambiguous photo of the monster. Ah, yeah, good. which is like, how do you define Great. that? Yeah, sure. But yeah, there's a lot of financial incentive for someone to snap that winning picture. Yeah. This is apropos of nothing, but I'll just mention that both my tour guides, we also had a guy the day before named Willie, who was a real character, uh, had a really thick brogue, hard to understand, but super fun and uh, loved to bag on the English. That became like a running thing. It was like people in Scotland making jokes about hating the English. But uh, both of them had mentioned to us that Alistair Crowley had a house right mm. like near the lake. Alistair Crowley, the occultist. Yeah, if you remember our Ordo Templi Orientis investigation, he was the one who'd really taken over that group and fed it with his own kind of mm -hmm. theology and magic. And uh, boy, what a what a crazy figure. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, read Martin Gardner's essay about him. Oh, if okay. If anyone's interested, he, it, it really paints a picture. There were all these rumors about like how he'd built a tunnel from his house to the local graveyard. And of course, he would do all this dark magic stuff, but there's no evidence of any Just of that. Just walk there. Just adding to the mystique and mystery of Why Loch Ness. would you need a tunnel? Why? Walk on the ground. <laughs> Right. Yeah. The cemeteries are notoriously open to the public at all times. That's a common thread with conspiracy theories. Uh -huh. That if you just step back for a moment and think about, okay, let's say I'm diabolical and I'm trying to do these things. Is this a cost effective way to Is go this about the way it? I do it. Because usually it's really wasteful and dumb. Yeah. Let me put on my evil villain hat and think about how I do this. Like uh, the McMartin preschool. Underground yep. tunnels are involved in that too. Yep. It's not easy to Dig. excavate. Yeah. <laughs> underground tunnel totally yeah indeed and silly walk the children above the ground <laughs> right do it at the dead of night if you're worried about being seen yeah but uh, you're a preschool everyone will just be like there goes the preschool so, anyway so our tour guide took us to a few different vantage points where we could kind of see the lake and of course every time i was there i was taking a bunch of photos and expectantly looking at and it, it's a weird phenomena because, you know, I, I think we've made it clear that we don't actually expect to see the monster. I know that there are people watching the lake all the time every day. And yet when I have a chance and I have multiple cameras with me, every spare second, I'm like photographing the lake and zooming yeah. in. Oh, yeah. I brought along my crazy Nikon P900 camera that I bought for the Flat Earth investigation uh -huh. specifically, which has this amazing optical range. It's insane. That's like, why I liked it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you can recover objects over the horizon. I'm using little air quotes as I say this. Also known as not seeing them at first. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But ignoring some very clear physics. Anyway, so I brought that along. Oh, yeah. By the way, this picture I'm showing you is of the Loch Ness Center. Yeah, and this is cool. Exhibition. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad. That's the one place like we didn't stop. They have a little museum dedicated mm. to the monster and the legend. Oh, dang, yeah. I know. Would, would have really loved to have seen that, but it just wasn't part of the itinerary. And apparently they just did a, a refurbishment of it a Don't couple months ago. Don't leave this photo. I have a huge question. Okay. Do you know what it's going to be? Do you know what I'm seeing in this photo? Do you see anything? Do you see anything abnormal oh, about oh, your photo? Oh, you're the huge ghost! Yeah, you're looking at the the blue floating light above yes! it. Yes! 
Yeah, no, that's just a ghost. No, you caught a UFO, you caught a ghost, you caught Nessie, you caught whatever it is that you feel like labeling this as. I feel like that is a good UFO image. Yeah. Because it's hovering above the uh, castle. Uh, And above the Nessie thing. Or Yeah, sorry, I'm calling it a castle because it's this like older architecture with turrets and stuff. Yeah, if this were in America, we'd be like, this is the most phenomenal (laughs) house I've ever seen. Yeah, it kind of looks roughly like the Magic Castle, but it it is not. Uh, Do you want me to ruin the mystery or do you just want it to be a UFO? Oh, I want you to ruin the mystery. I always want to know. Okay, yes. Uh, we're in a bus with blue LED panels, and that's a reflection on the window oh. of the panel on the opposite side of the you bus. You should send it to MUFON as like a Sokol test. Okay, yeah, just see, see what, what they say about it. Yeah. This will come up in one of our upcoming episodes, but I've got to say the person who evaluates stuff sent to MUFON does a good job. I got, oh, good. I got to meet him, well, and ju- he's got a level it. head. He wants to believe, but he rejects like 98% of what he receives. Okay. Okay, but test it. Okay, all right. Oh, this is just a screen grab showing how cold it was. One degree. Yeah, this was from wow. the, the morning before, but yeah, it got really cold up there. So and is this still Fahrenheit? Uh, no, this is Celsius, okay. so uh, about 40, 41 degrees uh, okay. Fahrenheit. But cold. it's cold, yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, so now I'm just showing Carrie some Beautiful. views of the lake. Yeah, gorgeous. I counted through just to see how many photos I took of either Loch Ness or even sometimes the River Ness or even that little piece of river where... Yeah, oik. Uh, I even got a few shots of that. So anytime I took a picture of a body of water that could conceivably have a monster that would show up in it, I I counted that and I took 245 photos and videos that could have contained a monster. Yeah. And I did go back through them and looked. And I'll show you later some of the things that I feel could be in some cases mistaken for that. Uh Uh-huh. Or? But for the most part, I don't think I caught one. All right, let's maintain the mystery. So now I'm showing Carrie Urquhart Castle. That's very pretty. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, so it's this ruins of a castle right on the Dude. eastern edge of the lake. And oh, it's just, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's like so the, pretty. the grass is green. so green. Right. Yeah, and the lake is just, it, it is massive. So, okay, the, the lock is, and I would get slightly different numbers from different people. So I had to kind of look this up and make sure I was getting kind of the, the latest, most accurate numbers. But the lock is about 23 miles long. Okay. And the most recent numbers on the depth seem to be 230 meters being the deepest point. So 754 feet. Deep. Very deep. It's the largest body of water by volume in the UK. And in the film and from my tour guide and and from the boat guide, I learned that you could combine all of the other lakes in England and Wales twice over and they would fit inside this lake. Oh, my God. It's a lot of water in there. That starts to make me like, I should see this thing all the time if it's there. It shouldn't be so rare to spot. Well, if there's like a colony of these things and like the. But but the point is that this is massive. It's so much bigger than all the other lakes combined. Right, right, right. So the point that they take from that is good place to hide a monster. Oh, that's interesting. I get the totally opposite. I'm thinking like, wow, so many opportunities for people to be at different parts of this lake and see one thing and then another part and see another. And I feel like. It's like having a monster in the Pacific Ocean. I think one thing that really helps the logic behind the Loch Ness Monster is the idea that, well, you can look here very thoroughly, 
but it could have been over there the whole time. Right, right. And this happens in the film. Uh, you have Ted Danson go out and he's all determined. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna prove this right now. Let's get this out of the way. And they do this kind of sweeping where this one single boat, and this seems a bit far-fetched to me, that it could map the whole width of the lock as it goes from one end to the next. Mm. Uh, but it does, in the film at least. And by the time it gets to the end, they've done a thorough scan and we would have picked up anything, even fish, and like we didn't see anything. So there, boom. Yeah, any fish? We didn't. We didn't see any Loch Ness monster. Anything oh, okay. that you would uh, confuse as such, you know, oh, that was big enough. And the the guy who's accompanying him says, "Well, there are these little caves and stuff. It could have been a little inlet or something like that." But I feel like that logic helps Loch Ness a lot. Like, well, okay, maybe you search really close by the castle. It could have been somewhere way sure. down far somewhere else. You know, isn't that convenient? The twenty three miles long is. Very long. It's like being like there's there's a monster in Van Nuys. It's just like oh, I'm not gonna be able to comb that. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So there's always wherever you're doing the combing, there mm-hmm. could be another location. Oh, by the way, I'm forgetting that I brought some scotch for us to taste. Nice. Uh, so what do we got this is Dalwinnie. Dalwinnie. Okay. Single malt scotch whiskey uh, from the Beautiful Highlands. Bottle. Yeah. So my wife. My wife, my wife, Kara, has become quite the collector. In fact, we just got like three new whiskeys in the last week in, oh, our, whoa. in our household. I got her one for our anniversary that she really likes. Oh, my God. This is going to make my car gifts so much easier. Thank you. Oh, she won't turn down more, uh, especially scotch whiskey. So she put a lot of thought into this. I said like, oh, well, what should I bring over? You know, I want something geographically close to Loch Ness. Aww. So we found one that's uh, a little southeast of the lock, Dalwinnie, that's also not too peaty or smoky. It's kind of a, oh, a lighter okay. uh, whiskey. Anyways, yeah, we have a lot of whiskey now. And, well, maybe uh, I'll just take a little like y- nip of yours. Yeah, have a little sip. Okay. It's a very, um, for someone who's not into whiskey, this would be a good whiskey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's got a nice woody flavor. So this is the 15 year. Anyways, yeah, now we suddenly have, I, I blame Chris. My friend Chris Kelly, he's gotten Cara and us now into drinking a lot more alcohol than we (laughs) ever did before. And Chris is a listener to the podcast. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. The other option would have been the Ben Riach. I think that was also fairly close. Anyways, oh, I should also mention I'm wearing my Clan Ross shirt. Yes, I noticed that. So tell me about that. Is that a last name? Yes. And actually, I come by it honestly because my name comes from my grandfather, Ross, but his mother, her maiden name was Ross. So it hopped over, which I think is interesting, like giving your last name as a first name to your son. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, totally. Um, that's cool. Drew's brother's middle name is Ross. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Ross Perot. At a party the other day, I met another Ross. It's rare. It is. They're out there. Yeah, yeah, it, it's Everyone like, just thinks of Ross from Friends. Right. It's funny because I think both Kara and I have names that are like, everybody knows them and they've heard an example somewhere, but you don't meet them in real life too often. So it, it's weird talking to another Ross. I feel that way about Carrie too, at least especially with my spelling. Mm, I meet very mm-hmm. few carries. And my spelling's the original spelling. Oh, yeah. And yet, very few of us. But you have the same one as the Brian De Palma film, mm-hmm. which I have now mm-hmm. seen. That was oh, great, right? That was the very top of my what do you mean you haven't seen it list for years. Oh, sure. I'd watched every other film that people expect me to have seen, but not Carrie. I, you know, I'm not into gore splatter film. I have to be in a certain mood. So I finally mm. did see it. Did you like it? It's fine. Okay. It's All right. Fine. That's, fine. <laughs> that's the best it gets for me. Okay. And that's how I felt about cars. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Just going to defend it for being fine. Young John Travolta. That's always fun. Young John Travolta's in Cars. Oh, and Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing it. Uh, I didn't even remember he was in that. Anyways, okay. So now I'm I'm sipping the Dalwini. Oh, yeah. I've got my Clan Ross shirt. So Clan Ross was a little north of the area we're talking about, north of Inverness. So there we go. All right, so we spend time at Urquhart Castle, take a lot of pictures. You guys are going to see these photos and be like, what kind of amazing camera is Ross using? And I just want you to know, it's his iPhone. <sighs> they take such amazing photos. It allows you to be lazy. It's so incredible now. Sometimes like the lake can look just glassy smooth. Sometimes it's got a little bit of rippling to it. But yeah, gorgeous. I was also using that Nikon P900. I'll show you some footage here. Okay, wait, right there. Yeah, there, there's a little darker reflection spot on the water, right? Yep, that yep. stands out from the rest of the smooth water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes there's little perturbations or even these kind of like standing waves. Yeah, water does that. That uh, form a little darker shape. So yeah, I feel like uh, probably a majority of the sightings are that. Mm-hmm. Still hoping, just like the Clan Ross motto says, success breeds hope. Hmm. Interesting. Always hoping that I'm going to be the one to find the monster. But after we're done checking out the the castle and the beautiful view that it has of the lake, then we proceed down the coast to where the lock meets up with one of the the locks for a canal. So Mm. there's this kind of diagonal slash that goes through Scotland that Mm -hmm. sort of cuts part of it off from the rest of the United Kingdom. And apparently this goes way back. So it's a canal that they've sort of extended. There were already multiple locks along this diagonal, Mm -hmm. this fault line. Uh, But then they, uh, in the 1800s, they built measured locks in between them so that boats could travel from one side to the other without going all the way around, kind of like Panama Canal, Mm -hmm. Erie Canal, Suez Canal, whatever canal you want to compare it to. Nasal Canal. Oh, no. There's this uh, Fort Augustine area kind of at the south end where it connects to this canal. And this is where we boarded our boat. Oh, yeah, I saved this video here to show you just because there's a bagpiper. Do you like bagpipes? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Actually, a lot of people find them like, you know, oh, yeah, painful. Really fun. (laughs) There was a woman at work just this past Friday. All I know is I heard from my desk bagpipes going off somewhere nearby weird and i was like okay is this just a really good sound system or someone playing bagpipes in the building is is my death coming for me (laughs) yeah and we had a modeler who used to practice his bagpipes at the animation studio oh okay and the reason i know that the soundproofing is so good in our review rooms is that you could just barely hear him playing (laughs) from outside but oh yeah the bagpipes are powerful so i guess he inspired kathy bailey who's been an artist at the studio since at least the the 90s as a cleanup artist now she works as a character TD. So I, I go wandering out seeking the sound that's ricocheting down the hallways and it is loud yeah inside a building it is loud yeah that sounds unpleasant Uh, actually but as she was slowly pacing down the hallway playing bagpipes doing a great job of it and i was at disney animation yeah and i was so proud of her because i'd just been talking (laughs) with some other people the other day about how like we don't goof off enough you know yeah there needs to be more like pranks and just silliness and people having chair races you know (laughs) and then i hear this bagpipe and find her doing this and i loved it. I just thought it was fantastic. So anyways, that's a long way of saying, yeah, I like bagpipes. So this is where we boarded the Legend of Loch Ness. 
Inverness. That's the name of the boat. Okay. And is this the one that I was talking about earlier? Yeah. So it's the same tour company. I'm not sure if it was this precise boat. Yeah. Because his was, I think, the spirit of Loch Ness. Okay. But they're all owned by the same group. Okay. And I didn't see many others on the lake. So it's not like there's 10 of these right. taking turns. There's maybe two or three active. So this one is equipped with all the same type of equipment. So we get on this boat and I would say probably like three dozen people on the boat. So oh wow, yeah, this is a popular tourist thing to do. And we'd signed up for this whole package that included the bus tour and then this interlude where we'd get on the boat for 45 minutes and cruise around. Mm -hmm. And everybody here is talking about the monster, of course, which is always weird because there's legitimate reasons to be interested in Loch Ness Without a monster. I know, I was thinking of this poor lake. So, yeah, I feel bad because, you know, they're talking about, oh, here's the goats on the side. And I'm thinking, I should be more interested in the goats <laughs> the that exist. The actual animals. <laughs> yeah, than I am in this monster that lives by reputation alone. But uh, what can you do? Drew would be excited about the goats. He loves goats. So as you can see, lovely. The, the water's getting a little choppier here. But there's a, a young man who's kind of like our main tour guide. And he makes a joke at the beginning about how, yeah, yeah, I'm Scott so probably hard to hear me but don't worry i'm sober so <laughs> the best conditions uh he gives us so that's interesting it, i'm scottish so it'll be hard to hear me so am i not the only person who finds like scottish oh, difficult to understand no i think that's a common thing oh good and they're okay. they're used Ooh. to people probably giving feedback like i'm sorry i can't really understand get, what you're yeah, saying good. that makes me feel better because i always feel so uh, you know it's always uncomfortable to like have to work past someone's accent sure yeah yeah and make that the issue of conversation right, right, rather exactly. than whatever they're saying so uh, he mentions that they use sonar. They've got these kind of like active displays that I'll find later kind of downstairs when you walk under the main deck. And he mentions that in 2019, we were part of a story that changed the history of Loch Ness, finding that image ah. that you saw of the blip under the water. So he says he'll talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, but then they have this narration pre-recorded that they'll keep switching to. So it's this woman's voice, and she tells us that there's more of interest than just the monster. Sure. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the point we just made, which is great. You know, we're doing this for 45 minutes. Let's talk about other things. Yeah. So they talk a bit about the geology of the Great Glen of Scotland. So that's the name of this long valley, okay. uh, which rides along this fault line that creates that big diagonal that sort of cuts the island in twain. Yeah, that fault line's going to matter quite a bit, isn't it? I saw that at least one professional was claiming that there's like a certain kind of current that is created in the lake that's a little bit unusual because of the fault line. And so that could explain like oh, unusual okay. bobbing behaviors. I think I may know what's being referred to there. So I looked up a little bit more about this because at one point later in the tour, the, the young man narrating says like, oh, on this side, that's the Eurasian plate. And on this other side, that's the North American plate. I was like, no, 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 that's too far over. So I double checked uh, because I remember seeing a place actually like that in Iceland. Mm. They have a big section of land where you can point to one side and say, yep, that's the Eurasian plate. Whoa, On the other that's side, cool. that's North America. Yeah, it's all connected. It's crazy. So not true for Loch Ness, but it goes even farther back in time. So we're talking like 430 million years ago, the fault line that created this particular geography combined a little piece of Laurentia and Gondwana. So these are like ancient land masses that collided mm. uh, to create this particular fault line. 
the the rocks themselves are older, like 500 million years old. Anyways, the whole canal that was built, that's called the Caledonian Canal. And there's like this cool valley that was further enhanced by the last ice age. You had all these retreating glaciers that scraped out this giant valley that the water is now Mm. in, which is relevant to the Loch Ness legend, because that's when it's assumed that this prehistoric creature that just managed to escape into modernity happened to like find itself isolated in the lock. Mm, Oh, right. Prehistoric. Okay. So we're talking like, you know, at least 12,000 years. But of course, the creatures that we're generally talking about, plesiosaurs, mosasaurs, they went extinct way longer ago than 12,000 years. Those are those big snakes? Giant marine reptiles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So already kind of far-fetched. But that's, you know, that's the theory that we're trying to hold on to. We're also told that the water is so dark because there's so much peat nearby and like when rain replenishes the water it interacts with the peat and it's it's all kind of dyed water that's why it's dark and apparently Mm. that makes it really hard to like search or send a submersible down so they're telling Mm. us stories of researchers trying to go under the water and look or turn on really bright lights and just finding the the light reflected back at them and being kind of useless because you can't see in the water it's so dark Uh, people don't get in a submersible if the regulatory bodies tell you that it's dangerous yeah talking about the titanic yeah i get recent story i get so much intrusive imagery of what happened to those people oh like thinking about it that your brain will just randomly i'll just oh no it's been happening so much lately anyway people don't do this remember uh yannicka mckelson that we had on the podcast Mm -hmm. we talked to she was actually friends with one of the guys who was well okay. actually she and Terry Verts, the astronaut that we talked to at the same time. Both of them are friends with Hamish. I, I can't remember his full name. He was one of the guys on that submersible. Because oh he had set a record with them when they did that orbital pass over the poles and set a world record for going around the planet. Uh-huh. He was on that with them. So oh yeah. God. Sad to hear updates oh, from her when we didn't know what exactly what had happened. Uh, They remind us to keep our camera at hand because you never know what's going to happen or when. And, you know, I got to say, I'll just lay it out now. Like, this was pretty responsible narration. Oh, good. It it, it was quite Mm level-headed. It wasn't sensationalist. Like, I thought Mm -hmm. they did a really good job putting this together. It's great. You can even see, like, the wake that the boat is leaving kind of creates patterns in the water that could very easily be, ooh, ooh, it's kind of twisty and turny. Is that that something? But you could do this in any lake. True. This one just has a particular story attached to it. So it psychologically primes you to Mm -hmm. see it differently than you would have if you got the exact same photograph at like Lake Mead. A hundred percent. Yeah. Story is everything. Yeah. Um, And you know who did it? Spinster Janet Fraser. (laughs) You're blaming her. Yeah, I mean, she's the one who invented it. Her in league I, I with really St. Columba. Okay. I mean, it's like Eugene Shepard, the guy who did it at uh, in Rhinelander, invented the Hodag. Oh, not he Gene was, Shepard. Uh, right, Eugene <laughs> Shepard. Okay. Remind We're, me who Gene Shepard is. He wrote the Christmas storybook. And, oh, okay. Eugene Shepard. And God we trust, all others pay cash. Okay. No, this guy was like... A real weirdo. Like, he was famous for driving drunk around town. Oh, wow. He divorced his wife for a much younger woman, and then he'd drive around her house and be like, hey, look what I got now, <laughs> out her window oh. and stuff like Like, a real weirdo. But anyway, he made up the hodag. These and- are the people who change... History, <laughs> right? And uh, we are all burdened with their imaginations. And what did he work in? Tourism. Total aside, but like with Donald Trump, I feel like the nation suffers so much for this horribly 
damaged human being. Yeah. And just because of his particular quirks and peccadilloes, we're all saddled with this and it wastes so much of our thought process mm-hmm. and threatens our, our government. Uh, anyways. Just this one problem individual. Your L. Ron Hubbards of the world. Mm-hmm. Your Freud. Oh, man. Fuck yeah. that guy. Mary Baker Eddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just At like, least possibly sincere, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But even if sincere, just that one person's kind mm-hmm. of makeup Mm-hmm. can really have mm-hmm. so many downstream effects. And I feel like it's one of those situations where, yeah, maybe she was just kind of writing on a few local legends, but she amplified it and was mm-hmm. at the right time in the right place and the right form of media for this all just and, uh And maybe take the off. right, yeah, mental Well, and then the next year, phenotype. that photo, that really took it off too. So yeah, like I think a few people in concert really made this a thing. Mm-hmm. So I was mentioning just that this is kind of responsible narration. Even at this point, they were saying, okay, we expect you to take photos. That's good. Do it. But all of the photos that we have at the surface are still debated. There are many theories. They said outright on this tour that the 1934 photo turned out to be a fake. Okay. So they acknowledged that. Yeah. The most famous picture, that of a graceful man protruding from the water, turned out to have been faked. But it will always remain the iconic image of the Loch Ness Monster. Scientists have shown that long-necked animals could not live in the cold water owing to its temperature and the lack of an adequate food supply. Some will be mistakes, diving birds and even deliberate inventions. The vast majority of sightings are of a single hump and those could be large living creatures. They mention at this point, they'll get more into like other creatures that it might be, but they mentioned that sturgeon fish may have been introduced and that they can be incredibly enormous. The world record size is over eight meters long, mm. which is a long fish. That's 24 feet, yeah, 25 feet. And that they can live up to 240 plus years old. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. She said, not as romantic, but it is a real creature. So then the young guy takes over and he starts telling us, <laughs> this was very strange. He said, scientists don't know where water came from, but evolution what? tells us we came from water. Okay. I'm only mentioning that line because uh, just gave me pause. Like, what is he actually saying here? Okay, I know there's various theories about how water got on the planet. Maybe comets seeded it or something. Yeah. Evolution tells us we came from water. Okay. Gives me unnecessary rhetorical pause. (laughs) I'm trying to catch up with you. Exactly. Um, I I posted recently on our Facebook page, and I said this to you. There's, (laughs) There's this meme that shows someone holding a glass of water, and it said, there are more hydrogen atoms in a single molecule of water than there are stars in the entire solar system. (laughs) <laughs> this it's gets... one of those things that gives you pause for a second whoa <laughs> such wait oh solar si- oh i see it got our solar system has one si- got... oh h2 eyes right. <laughs> such great reactions because it ends up being that two is larger than one right right i showed that to drew on our plane home and yeah he was similarly like huh is that true and i was like well think about it for a sec <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think I've been so primed to break Ooh. something like that down that yeah. I, I was able to do it in real time. Be like, okay, clever. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Definitely. But I can totally see why it would give someone pause. Yeah. Yeah. My first reaction was like, that can't be right. 
<laughs> and then, oh, I see. I see. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about his comment. But anyways, he tells us that the temperature of the lock, the, the water itself, stays pretty constant. It's about five degrees Celsius, give or take, all year long. It doesn't freeze over. Um, and he said that if you dropped in there, you could swim for maybe five minutes. Oh, wow. Until what? It's too cold? Yeah, I guess like if you ease yourself into it, you can swim for five minutes and then it'll be like too cold. But like he says, if you dropped out of the boat right now, your body would go into shock. You wouldn't be able to breathe. You'd get a tight chest and it's fresh water. So you're not going to float easily. There's not salt content. And he said, your life expectancy is roughly two to four minutes if you can swim. Are you all wearing life preservers? No, but he tells us don't jump off. (laughs) There are life preservers on the boat, but yeah, you don't want anything to happen to this boat. (laughs) Is this making you nervous? Yeah. I'm still going through my Titan submersible problem. Oh, no, no. Just like everyone's like unnecessary risk really like freaks me out right now. Carrie is actively waving air at her face to like increase uh, evaporation. Ross, I spent like 90 minutes last night doing exposure therapy on myself just oh, watching no. coverage of the Titan submersible oh, I got no. so nauseous and upset oh, oh no I, I had no idea oh my god I knew you had a rough night but oh. <laughs> yeah I know not even I not thought it was unrelated yeah you can ask Drew how much I talk about the Titan submersible babe how much do I talk about the Titan submersible recently it's been quite often recently it's been quite often says Drew says. okay <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's not talk about water then. So apparently- well, wait. Hang on. It, one question. Yes. You might be the one person who can make me feel a little better about one thing that plays through my head, which is, would Ross and I have accidentally gotten on the Titan submersible not knowing- that the experts had said it was dangerous because the company didn't disclose that to us. Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm feeling like my immediate response should just be the one that makes Carrie feel better. So <laughs> no way, no way we would do that. We're too smart I'm, for that. Okay, this is what I really think. We would have talked to James Cameron. He would have told us <laughs> this is... This is totally sus. I read the waiver, and the waiver mentions death a lot, but also waivers mention death a lot. I in never general. waver. <laughs> But I, I feel yeah, that's true. I feel eighty percent sure that you and I would have been like, this is kind of weird. Let's check outside sources on this. I would hope so. I think so. Okay. But I'm only at like eighty percent, and I'm like, oh my god, twenty percent is so high. And I think that's why my brain is serving it up to me. Well, let me tell you, none of the I don't know three dozen or so people fell in the water. That's good. We're all good. But we, do you think we'd get on the Titan submersible? It's uh, a good question. I know a lot more about the subject now than I yeah, did then. So yeah. it's hard for me to put my brain fully in previous Ross. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 80% no? If I was told it was like a $250,000 ticket and I was getting it somehow free, uh-huh. I would have been tempted. Uh. Oh, man. See? See? <laughs> okay. See? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm glad you told to me the, the truth. Real I don't want you to lie to me. Uh, <laughs> I'll figure this out one day. Trying to increase airflow to her face okay i didn't know this was an issue <laughs> no it's okay all right oh no some of this next information is not going to be helpful <laughs> it's to you okay no i gotta expose <laughs> free to myself plug your or it won't get better I'll, no okay. it's okay so also our tour guide told us that it would take niagara falls 32 days to fill loch ness just because i think wow. everybody has kind of a mental image of just the sheer amount of water In pouring niagara over falls, yeah, yeah that i've ledge. been there you can't even talk to the person next to you it's so loud oh i haven't been there my dad just recently went very jealous so he said, if you ever want to get rid of anything or anyone, just put it in the lake. 
<laughs> no one will ever find it. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. The clear takeaway was if you want to get rid of a body, throw it in Loch Ness. Oh, right, right. It's going to be gone. So they talked about all the things that haven't worked, like sending down nets or dynamite or submersibles. But we use sonar because that's the only thing that can really give you any indication. Then he talks about how we went viral in 2019 when a creature 10 meters long and one meter wide, and he used the word creature, which is already kind of loaded, was 153 meters down. When I went to look this story up, I saw like, uh, I think it was 170 meters. I don't know. So however many meters down, it was far down. And he showed it on his phone. And you've already brought this up. This was in the documentary. But I love this picture of this uh, young guy showing me the suspect creature under Mm. the water in sonar imagery. Mm. Pretty cool. So he says, we believe this is the monster that people are seeing. And I thought, oh, that's... That's interesting phrasing. Yeah, because so much of this is explainable by other things. So exactly which sighting are you saying Mm -hmm, this is? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And generally, things that live that far down, if they breathe air, that's quite a transition to make. Like to have a body plan that allows you to withstand the pressure of 153 meters down. And at one point he said it was the size and shape of a bus. And I was like, well, did we rule out bus? (laughs) Did anybody lose a bus in the the lock? (laughs) I mean, just I hear that and I'm like, well, maybe you need to go through the last like, you know, 60 Mm. years of records, right? Is Mm. anybody doing that? But anyways, he said that as the kids would say, this went viral all over the world. Mm. I'll, I'll say I'm like, sure that's true. I'm laughing at us humans doing that. Mm-hmm. Bothering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It may be taking advantage of a glitch in human thinking, but successful. Right. Totally. And he was making very positive statements about how, you know, we think there are huge creatures down there. Mm-hmm. And we think we might know what Nessie might be. So, okay, we're going to get to that in just a little bit. A figment of our imaginations? No. Speaking of tourism. Yeah. I wonder if Justin and Sophie are tour guides. Do you know about these two? Oh, yeah, I know about them. I think they've got an anniversary happening right about now. I think so, too. And in fact, pulling something out of my pocket, look at this. This Jumbotron came in just today. Where did you find this? Yeah, um, a cryptozoological creature flew into my house and gave it to me. It looks like it was written by St. Columba himself, so this must be a vast future prediction. I see why you'd think that, but it's actually written by Sophie to Justin. I can see how I misread that okay what does it say here justin happy to your anniversary and happy birthday i love you so much and even though i tell you that every day i thought you might like to hear me say it through our favorite podcast hosts oh i'm looking forward to many more years of wonderful experiences with you yours forever sophie oh that's lovely this justin cool hey this sophie Congrats, you guys. And congrats also to Squarespace. I know, right? Making websites? Yeah, they don't get enough credit. For helping so many websites, quality websites, show up on the internets. I bet Squarespace would marry Justin if he asked. Just because Squarespace is that kind of person. Yeah, but Squarespace is respectful and wouldn't try to crowd in on Sophie's territory here. Of course, of course, of course, of course. But in a different world, you know? But I would say that they are an all-in-one platform for Mm. building your brand and growing your business Mm. anywhere. Yes, you can stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage with your audience like we're doing now. And you can sell anything you want. Your products. Maybe you make Nessie shirts. Mm -hmm. Content you create. Maybe you make a Nessie blog. And even your time. 
time. Too Ma- Nessie. Yeah, maybe you want to find a new lake that doesn't have a monster yet. And oh, just there we go. Set up a trailer on one of the beaches, and um, you will find this. If you really want to, you'll find a blob in your photo. And make a blog about your blog. There we go. Oh, my God. The Bob blog. Blob blog. <laughs> yeah, like Bob blog. Blog. Bob blog's law blog. Totally. <laughs> From Arrested Development. Oh, I need to watch that show again. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's right. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with all of these integrated features, and they've got useful guides, and and they're going to maximize your search results. That's right. And with Squarespace extensions, you can connect your store to vetted third-party tools to extend the functionality of your website. They also have Fluid Engine. That's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, and it's never been easier for anyone, that means you, to unlock unbreakable creativity Cannot be broken. Unbreakable. Can't be broken. Start with a best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for it, desktop or mobile. And then you are the dragon that is doing the dropping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. In the lake. Oh, yeah. Someone <laughs> should do dragondrop.com. Oh, there's so many websites <laughs> to make. <laughs> well, I know you're ready to do that. Head to squarespace.com slash ono for your free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, what do you do? You use the offer code ONO, O-H-N-O, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. People can find your website, even if you can't find the dragon. Mm-hmm. The human mind can be tricky. Your mental health can be complex. Your emotional life can be complicated. So it helps to talk about it. I'm John Moe. Join me each week on my show, Depression Mode with John Moe. It's in-depth conversations about mental health with writers, musicians, comedians, doctors, and experts. Folks like Noah Khan, Sashir Zameda, and Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. We talk about depression, anxiety, trauma, imposter syndrome, and perfectionism. We have the kind of conversations that a lot of folks are hesitant to have themselves. Listen, and you won't feel as alone, and you'll have some laughs, too. Depression Mode for Maximum Fun at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Every now and then, every like decade or so, there's like some big event or search that uh, gets a lot of attention. So in 1985, there was a monster hunter who set out a cage and baited it. But he told us that the only monsters it captured were journalists. Shoot forward to recent times. Uh, They had the University of Otago from New Zealand come visit and do a DNA sampling. So they picked 250 different locations around the lock and pulled up all the DNA they could. Or, you From know, the water? Yeah. And, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. And, and just started analyzing, okay, well, what have we found here? And In this huge lake. Right. So apparently the results were released in 2019. There were over 4 million codes of DNA that they collected. Makes sense. And then they narrowed that down to 3,014 distinct codes, like... From different creatures of whatever sort. So okay, so like, sorry, just to break that down for a sec. So the larger population, they're thinking, well, sure, but many of these species are the same. So now we're trying to get down to a smaller grouping of individuals who are from- represented species. Okay, yeah, got it. So that was just over three thousand, and so of course there were birds, goats, humans, sure, many other things. 
50 species of fish. Wow, it's amazing they can do this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and just like fast genome sequencing is That's such crazy. an amazing technical marvel that we can apply to conundrums like this as silly or real as they may be. Apparently, then, they narrowed down from there 340 codes that, as he said it, scientists have never seen before. 340. <laughs> right. And, and he even said, those could be microbial, those could be bacterial. And I feel like mm-hmm. looking at them, you probably get some kind of sense of roughly where they fall on the uh, yeah, genetic point. tree. He said, or it could be a dinosaur playing bagpipes. <laughs> Very good. I, and is there a control to compare that to? Did anyone sequence the same kind of things at a different lake? I think we just have libraries of everything that has been sequenced elsewhere. I guess I'm like just a, wondering, is that unusual? Did I just hear anything oh, unusual? Oh, nothing not. raises any flags for me in any okay. of that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right for a gigantic yeah, lake. Yeah, I would think so. That yeah. there would be new strains of DNA that we don't immediately recognize. That don't, don't register on the fingerprint registry, essentially. This always stops me up, though, when people don't reference the baseline. <laughs> so mm, that mm-hmm. I can process what you're telling me and Fair. whether it's unusual. Yeah, what is what is the scale here? Yeah. But he wasn't saying it like it was um, unusual. Unusual thing. Cool. Now this this did give me pause because he said that they were able to rule out that it was a plesiosaur. Okay, which, which is, is that big snake? Yeah, the giant marine reptile that everybody always kind of thinks of when they think of the Loch Ness monster. It's certainly been the operative you know species name that's been in my head since my high school years. Oh wow. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm checking here. Plesiosaurs became extinct at the end of the Cretaceous, so 66 million years ago. That's why, you know, surviving to 12,000 years ago is already an extraordinary claim. Um, But what took me aback by that statement is that they could rule that out, and he seemed to be suggesting that from plesiosaur bones, we were able to get DNA. I I just, I don't know if that's actually possible. Mm -hmm. I know occasionally you can get dinosaur DNA under very special circumstances. Yeah, like if it's stuck in amber and then you make a whole park and then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, sometimes soft tissue can magically uh, stick around longer, but I, I don't know. I didn't look up that particular part of the story, um, but he said that was ruled out. So we're not saying it's a plesiosaur anymore. Um, also, no sturgeon were found. So that's been a popular theory, but that one also, he said, is ruled out, that giant fish. Apparently, catfish can also get incredibly large, mm. and he was referencing some ones in Russia uh, he said, if you are to believe Russia on anything, <laughs> which is timely. But Boy, nope. these Scots are really like to give their little oh, jokes about different groups. They sure do. Uh, earlier, he was saying... I say about Scots. <laughs> when he was talking about the goats earlier, he was saying, there's only one thing that the Scots hunt, and that's the English. <laughs> <laughs> which got a good laugh line. He said, no, actually, the goats, we have a population problem. Anyways, so, okay, we've ruled out uh, catfish as well because that was not found in that DNA survey. Also not a very good show. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, where people catfish each other online. Yeah, and it's, like, very set up. But anyway. But salmon do come here to spawn, and they get up to, like, 56 pounds. So there are some large oh, salmon occasionally. 56 pounds. I know. Can you imagine? Lord, that's like, that's eight Ellas. That's a big fish. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, also, pike slash barracuda were found in the survey. Okay. The ferox trout is also very large. Arctic char is another fish. So some very large fish, he mentions, that could fit the bill for some of the sightings. Also, he says that the lamprey, which is, a, you know, kind of an ancient animal, you know, like one might call a living fossil. Apparently, they live in the uh, water as well. The conger eel, 
was mentioned because they live in the lock and also they can get up to eight meters long. At least one was caught that was 24 feet long. Whoa. And he said, we now believe Nessie is a giant conger eel, a European eel. That seems to be their going, you know, if you ask them like, what do you think most of the sightings are or like the thing that you detected underwater? That's what they're saying. Who's the we there? This company? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to clarify. But he adds... If we catch Nessie, then we don't have a job anymore. That's right. And we like our job. Okay. So like- Very transparent. Yeah. It's an interesting point. Resonates with what we were saying. And it's funny because it came across that 1996 film as well, Mm. where that's a major plot point is that, sorry, spoiler alert. Of (laughs) course, the, the hardened, cynical scientist does actually find the monster. Of course. And then, of course, the challenge becomes, will he- subterfuge the results and sharing it with the scientific community to keep the secret hidden because that's what the people of the lock demand. They want Mm. this to remain a mystery and they felt really... That's kind of an interesting plot point. Yeah, they felt betrayed by him that like they sort of brought him into the fold. They responded to his enthusiasm. Even though he confirmed Yeah, the existence. And he ends up getting a crystal clear photograph, you know, for 1996 CGI standards. Sure. And uh, it, huh, yeah, I'm sorry, totally. Kind of impressed by this there. by this plot turn. I wouldn't have expected okay. it to go that way. You know, what? Uh, fair. So definitely watch that. But I was taking note in the film of things that they mentioned that could be the monster. And there's a lot of overlap with the list you just heard because they talked about like sturgeon. They talked about the eels, even conger eel. They mentioned by name in that film, mm-hmm. which is you know from 27 years ago. But also they mentioned like submerged vegetable mats. I thought that was I don't know what that is. Interesting. A log, a mm-hmm. drift. I think a log and driftwood are Ben Radford's okay. theories. Yeah. And there was even a part in the film where they saw something, got all excited about it, or at least one guy did. And then it turned out to be, like he predicted, a log that had been propelled by trapped bacterial gas. Okay, mm, very specific. So Drew was in the lake. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, he said at one point, uh, Ted Danson, I mean, said, not even a soliton. And I had to look that up. And it's like a very particular kind of waveform that can be formed like in a narrow enclosed canal where you mm. have a boat moving through and it's kind of pushing forward water that crests and creates this kind of traveling wave. That's, mm. that's like a little different from a wake. Yeah, it's like it goes in front of the boat and it's like really uh. just curious physics that happen to create it. Um, okay. it so, so that was mentioned as well. Hmm. Also in the movie, they mention a large pinniped, which means a seal essentially. Aquatic mustelids, in other words, otters. And you even see like some otter scamper around at one point. He keeps using the phrase elasmosaur, like after he sees like a certain pattern on a photo of a fin, uh, which is another marine reptile. And I'm curious about the seal being on that list, because I think I read somewhere someone saying this would be very unusual for it to be a seal. A seal to be in that location. Yeah, it sounds, that sounds unlikely to me. Yeah, I don't think that there are. But yeah, yeah okay. it was floated in the movie as like, okay. this is something it could be. Yeah. So in the film, they end up saying that we analyzed it and it turns out was a hybrid between an elasmosaur and a plesiosaur. That's the official answer for the film of what they saw. And it very much looks like one of those marine reptiles. So the film is really still thinking of just like one isolated individual, the final survivor of this species. Uh, No, they show a family. Okay. They show a mom, dad and a baby Nessie. Okay. Sorry, I've okay. spoiled everything. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, Ted. So sorry. Ted Danson, if you're listening, you can come on the show, bring Nessie. So glad you survived that tan. <laughs> it looks so dangerous. 
And, you know, we could toss out a bunch of other things. Like, I, I feel like I got footage that with a, maybe a lower resolution camera could have been two ducks near each other mm-hmm. that could have looked very much like something in the water. And I remember that coming up in uh, the book uh, Abominable Science, that sometimes you just have two things near each other spinning about in the water, and that looks like two humps of the same creature. Oh, sure. Yeah. Also, I saw a lot of, you were looking at the same footage with me, waves that just ever so slightly stand up, stand out. Maybe they're wind generated waves or something, but they just create a dark crease on the water. Yeah. That can look very much like it. That's what my eye tells me when I see that. Mm -hmm. That's why it doesn't even stand out to me. It's like, yeah, I've seen dark patches in water before. But when you're really hoping, your brain can do the rest and get you the rest of the way. So then, you know, the narration continued talking about some other real features of the lake. Boring. You know, Mm -hmm. we're we're just here for messing. (laughs) Um, But we we get back to the shore, hear the bagpipes again, and uh, we're off. So it it was pretty fun. Yeah, I had a great time. I felt like they were mostly responsible about this and not trying to sow. They were they were trying to please the people who are out to see Nessie, but also not trying to sow a lot of false information. And I think even the people who are out to see Nessie, who are true blue believers, it sounds like they would have there were pieces of information in there that would make them go like, oh, huh, I guess I need to deal with that now, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. Um, it's reminding me of last weekend, I went to Las Vegas for the Society of Professional Journalists conference, and I got to see Banachek yeah. do his mentalism routine. Yeah, yeah. And Banachek, we mentioned in our James Randi episode, and we'll talk about him again another time. But he takes so many opportunities that so many mentalists wouldn't take to stop and be like, these aren't psychic powers. Look at what I'm doing. Learn something from this. Mm-hmm. And and in a but he does it a much better way than mm-hmm. I'm saying it now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I appreciate when people do this, when they say, like, hey, yeah, we're we're down for the game of it. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I'm I'm also going to see this as a responsibility on my part to yeah. put context around what I'm doing. And I think that's a really important point that you can have the fun aspects of this. Yep. While being honest. And yeah. with Banachek, uh, to use that example, like he's so skilled at what he does mm-hmm. that you can still just revel in the, the performance mm-hmm. of it and how well he pulls it off, um, that you're still impressed and amazed, even though you know he, he's telling you he's not breaking the laws more of physics. Amazed in a right, way, yeah. right, right. Absolutely. Also, I should mention that the whole time while we're on the boat, they had these live displays of what's coming back from the sonar. So you're kind of seeing scans going on as you're there of like the water temperature and the current depth. So presumably if another one of these blobs shows up, we're all going to see it on screen together. So we're looking at that and also this like kind of pre-mapped blue. I'm showing Carrie this diagram uh, of the whole lock and then our current location on it. So we're this tiny little white boat over this crazy depth i just like here right below it says that the wi-fi password is let's find nessie ah cute so yeah i I feel like they put on a good show but a responsible show and and i appreciated that but of course as you're leaving you see they've got these uh Mm -hmm. display curios full of merchandise these little plush nessies that you can buy love it little toys keychains a rubber duck oh wow you know i should have got that i could have sent it to my friend jacqueline that is pretty good she likes rubber ducks yeah, she has a collection. Pretty delightful designs. And then Ooh, I like those magnets. 
Oh, oh, Carrie likes the fridge magnet. Shoot, I should have gotten one. <laughs> no, for I love what you brought me too. A little snow globe, and then yeah, there's this Nessie that's broken into little segments, and yeah, I got one of those for Carrie. I got one for me too. Yeah, it's great. Uh, ceramic. So and it's broken into segments so that as you lay it across a flat surface, it looks like it's um, submerged in that surface. Yeah, coming up and down through the surface. <laughs> Pretty uh, clever. We've got it in our kitchen window. Nice. Send you the picture. And I also got this little green Nessie. Yeah, so cute. Little Hi, buddy. Plush. Uh, yeah, super cute. And I also got from a local shop. They have. <laughs> Wait, show me that last. They one. have all these gift shops. <laughs> yeah, Carrie's <laughs> laughing at the one that I also had to buy. <laughs> I love it. It says. <laughs> Caledonian Canal and then there's a picture of Nessie looking very happy and then at the bottom it says I completely failed to see the Loch Ness Monster <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> I love that like one I feel like you or I could have designed that yeah yeah uh, Yeah, I keep that on the fridge holds that's up a great. picture of my niece your niece <laughs> yeah that's a, the Loch Ness <laughs> This was uh, all in this little gift shop that sold ice cream and had these various plush things and the magnets and uh, maps. And it was like a little mini museum. And this one sign really caught my eye. It said, no luck spotting Nessie. Try spotting. <laughs> and then it tells you about these real animals that you might look for. Like one of which is a squirrel. A red squirrel. <laughs> I mean, which a red school sounds cool and everything, but when you're looking for a monster everyone's been talking about for I feel so bad for the years. real creatures of the region that we're all obsessed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I think it, it says something about humanity. That's totally. what we do. And I'm yep. I'm there and I'm into it and I'm participating. Yep. yep. With all my cameras. Because the the real star of the story is the story. Mm -hmm. It's that we pass the story along and that's where all the priming begins. We're storytelling creatures and we want to yeah. keep that story. Absolutely. Yeah. What a gorgeous photo. Yeah, now I'm just showing Carrie this beautiful image. Uh, just looking out the bus window at these sheep grazing on this no. beautiful green You grass. guys would love it. If you could see what uh, I'm saying, Yeah, podcasts are so great for visuals. And then, yeah, just this gorgeous road. But we kept driving around, and at night, we came back to this beach, and this is where you find Crazy Steve. Oh, Steve. Okay. So who had called him Crazy Steve before this? Did you already know he was Crazy Steve? The guide okay. referred to him as Crazy Steve and just said that all the locals call him Crazy Steve. But okay. uh, yeah, Steve Felton, uh, who... <laughs> In 1991, began his full-time hunt for Nessie, and uh, he's parked himself here on Doris Beach, and he has this little trailer where he lives, and it's all decked out. It says nessiehunter.co.uk. That's his website. You can see some videos of him there. And I was busy, like, photographing the lock and, like, getting some late night, you know, I thought really pretty views but Kara told mm, me pretty. that at one point Steve poked his head out of his trailer kind of looked at all of us for a moment and then went back in hmm. so I totally missed that oh funny uh, at least Kara got to see him uh, just to give an idea of how strong this kind of thing is I just was about to be like oh my god look and then I realized it is a, a mark that's on your actual laptop screen oh <laughs> <laughs> on top of the glass of the the screen yeah and you're seeing that it's like oh maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. it's well, a maybe maybe we can <laughs> pretend that's the monster and then my brain was like no you can't even pretend that's the monster Prime, priming <laughs> does so much yep so um excuse me go back hold, hold on oh shoot <laughs> i i went forward too far um i just saw the loch ness monster okay so i accidentally went too far but i'm showing okay. i'm showing carrie right now something that i saw that you know look like it could be mistaken as Nessie, and that's just like the dark 
patches on the water. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there, there was one kind of... There it is, yeah, like over yeah, there. Yeah, 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 where it just sort of like a slight wave or wake just breaks above the surface and then it's a little darker because of how shadows are. Yeah, and it's undulating and stuff, so mm-hmm. it looks like the kind of thing that gets reported as Nessie. But here's the really hard-to-explain footage, Carrie. What do you make <laughs> of this? Here we go. Oh, my God, you caught it. Yep, there well, it is. okay, here's... It looks just like Nessie. Yep, we have... We have a Ness. Wait, we have two <laughs> Nessies identical going the same way. They don't appear to be swimming. They appear to be stationary as the water moves past them. They're going really fast. And boy, yeah, head isn't moving, but could not look more like Nessie of Lore. How did this happen? <laughs> so on the boat, once you get on the interior portion, they have vinyl decals on the windows of the perfect Nessie outlet. Oh, Carrie. That's on the window? Yeah, that's on the window. I love that look. Carrie was so shocked. Yeah. Oh, they did a really good job. They do a great job. So you can angle a photo that shows the outline of a Nessie. In your photos. Yeah, I really thought you were just going to say like, oh, yeah, so such and such a company (laughs) was able to build this thing that like kind of floats there. Like an app or something. No, I thought it was like a stationary object someone had built, you know, to... to I mean, not Out like in to the actually water. fool anybody, but like to, you know, ha- please the tourists. Well, there you go. This wow, can, that's really impressive. This can please you sore. That's much better than that cigar on the car in um, I Think You Should Leave. 20 people are very pleased with this reference. Okay. And the others don't know what's happening. Good. Yeah. Good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's really impressive. We got to show that photo. It was super fun. And they joked about it. You know, it was all tongue in cheek and in good fun. But yeah, yeah, yeah. at least... Even if you're out there all day, you can uh, get your footage of Nessie That's really cute. with the vinyl decal. Yeah, I love that. So I'm going to post some of these photos that we're talking about just so you can see a bit of that. And sorry, it'll be on Facebook because uh, that's easy to do. I'm curious, when I go whale watching and stuff, uh, you know, sometimes you get sick because the waves are so choppy. Yeah. How did this compare to that kind of thing? It wasn't choppy. It, oh. it was relatively smooth. And I did not get seasick. Uh, no one throwing up off the side of the nope, boat? Nope, didn't yeah. see any of that going on. So pretty smooth ride. And uh, yeah, it's very rare for me to feel seasick. I think I've oh, only okay. done it once or twice in my life. Okay. But just to underline some of these other points that we were talking about, you mentioned there's a live webcam. Yeah, too far away. Lochness.co.uk slash livecam. So anybody from anywhere across the world can keep an eye on Loch Ness at any you know point. What? I got to look at that. Oh, it's dark there right now. Yeah, it's uh, 9.55 p.m. Well, here it is. Here's Loch Ness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't see I don't see a creature. <laughs> oh, okay. We're just looking at a black screen. So at least when it's daytime, people always can have eyes on Loch Ness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, just very recently, about a month ago, there was the largest organized Nessie hunt in 50 years, and everybody came from far and wide. And I remember getting a notification from my news app about this because it was saying that there had been a group that heard these gloop sounds, which is just a great word, and that unfortunately their recording equipment wasn't plugged in when it happened. Uh, so 
It's always such Just a don't shame. have the sounds. But okay, gloop sound. Do they make a gloop sound? Do they sound like Darth Vader coughing? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like with ghosts. You're like, okay, do they radiate on the electromagnetic spectrum in a way that we can't see, but recording equipment can capture? I'm, right. And like, Ken the ghost hunter disagrees with Janine the ghost hunter. What do I make of that? All of these underlying assumptions. But okay, they didn't capture their gloop sound during that massive weekend. But most people said, hey, we came, we saw, we didn't catch Nessie, but you know, we had fun. And then, like I mentioned, there's kind of this like annual drip of like another major video that someone posts. And uh, I looked into one that looked like, wow, okay, that that's something coming out of the water. And it looked like um, kind of a mix between a seal pattern wise and a whale size wise. But it turns out the guy who had posted this, he discovered it in 2020, but it was from a photo he took in 2019. Turns out that on his LinkedIn, he is a professional 3D artist, and, mm. and it looks CG. Uh-huh. And apparently there was a discrepancy with the timestamps on his photos. So Whoopsie. But the underlying point there is that don't worry. If anything ever sticks its head above the water in Loch Ness, someone will be there to photograph it. Yeah, that's true. There are these daily tours. There is the webcam. There's so much attention being paid to this thing. And I was thinking as I was sitting right next to the trailer of Steve, crazy Steve, <laughs> that you know he's got all this optical equipment there and you see pictures of him with this crazy telephoto lens and everything. If anyone's going to capture it, don't worry. Steve's on the job. He's been there for years. And if the monster shows up, don't worry. We'll hear about it. It. Yeah. Also, we talked about the tourism angle of it and Gary Campbell, who you mentioned earlier, keeper of the official Loch Ness Monster Register, estimated that the monster adds $54 million USD or 41 million pounds to the local economy every uh-huh. year. Uh-huh. I saw another that. estimate. Well, actually, this was from a government site. They were looking at Inverness and Loch Ness visitors saying that in 2019, there were 313,000 visitors who spent 89 million pounds. So that's over twice that previous estimate. Scotland, you got to thank Janet Fraser. Doing the Lord's work there. 2021, it went way down because of of lockdown. The lock was down. (laughs) (laughs) And so that number went down to like 14,000 visitors spending only 11 million pounds. So I assume it's on the upswing again, and I got to be part of that showing up in late 2022. That's so fun. So there you go. That's my report on the Loch Ness Monster. I have one more thing to say about Nessie. Yeah. I found Janet Fraser's original description of Nessie. Okay. Let's see how it stacks up to what we usually hear now. Okay. This is from the Salt Daily Star in 1965. It says, first sighted in 1933 by a spinster innkeeper named Janet Fraser. The monster was described by Miss Fraser as having a head shaped like a snake. Okay. And as big as a horse's with a long neck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We we haven't even mentioned uh, kind of the older name for this type of creature is a Kelpie, a water horse. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, horse-like anatomy has always been kind of part of the legend. In the middle of which there were two flippers. Are there flippers on the neck? She claims flippers on the neck. Flippers on the neck. Interesting. Yeah, it's not usually where you find flippers. And this is my favorite detail. And it had eyes like motor car lamps. 
eyes like motor car lamps. Which I think suggests glowing eyes. Yeah, that it's like actually radiating light. And that they're quite sizable and it's it's like a beam. Yeah, that feels like something different. Definitely wouldn't match the the 1996 film's depiction of this creature. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that feels like a standout feature. I'm always interested in case zero because... Mm -hmm. If you can't match case zero, well, I, then some, something different is going on in the storytelling. So from my cryptozoology module, I will insert that there's a paragraph here, recorded monster sightings from the 1500s to the 1800s. So I forgot about this one. In 1527, a man named Duncan Campbell recorded seeing a terrible beast on the shore near the lock. Mm. In 1871, a Mr. D. McKenzie reportedly saw an object resembling an upturned boat wriggling and churning up the water... Eight years later in 79, a group of children claimed they spotted a small Could head. Could it just be an upturned a, boat? The group of children claimed they spotted a small head on a long neck on the North Shore. Mm-hmm. So that could have added to the mystique. That's mm-hmm. the first time I think we hear that detail. And then there we go. I think then the 30s becomes the next round. It would be fun to collect like all the different accounts and make the Nessie, draw the Nessie that can hold all of them. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's, it's always fun to see those kind of efforts with uh, like aliens depicted on film because you have your standard gray but every now and then you see them trying to incorporate other elements of the mythos or um the biblically accurate angels yeah the uh the spinning wheels within wheels with eyes all along their rims and don't get me started on the full armor of god uh carrie i'd like you to start on the full armor of god (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't have pants if i recall correctly so as my fridge magnet says I completely failed to see the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, uh, yeah. But I'm you know, sorry. I'll tell you part of why. You have a really good camera. <laughs> yeah. It is fun to pull that thing out every now and then and get the crazy zoom footage. Yeah, but I mean, I think oh, that's generally. really partly why you can't see Nessie very well anymore. You have to be far away. You have to have the grainy photo. You got to have your old whatever cell phone he had. Right. That's the only way to make this happen very convincingly. They were talking on the boat about like the different depths of water and how you have the twilight zone or deeper down the midnight zone. But truly, I think Nessie lives in the low information zone. (laughs) In the Liz (laughs) and in the hearts of us all. And of course, in the mind of spinster (laughs) Janet Fraser. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support this and all our European vacations yeah. by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. And you can support us by telling a friend, by leaving a positive review. That really does help. And uh, I see those on occasion and they can make my day. And if you mention Carrie, I'll send her a screenshot. <laughs> if it's nice. If it's nice. That's right. I've only sent you nice ones. No, I know. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. And that's it. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who supports us and makes these investigations possible. And remember, from Scottish comedian Eleanor Morton. Welcome to this guided boat tour of Loch Ness. My name's Craig and I'll be your guide as we sweep over the majestic waters of this iconic piece of scenery. There are several settlements around the loch, including the remains of Castle Urquhart, home of the Urquhart clan, and Runnadrocket. And no, you won't be able to see it right, so don't try. Of course, the reason you've all come here and paid £40 today is that there are rumours of a monster in the loch, and there have been many sightings over the years, although these are more likely to be a log, a wave, a swan, a bit of seaweed, some mud, a stone, a boat wake, or a wee boy that's fallen in. 
are some that theorise that a plesiosaur, which is a type of dinosaur, has survived millions of years in the loch, and to that I would say, would you live here for millions of years? Do I believe there's a great, big, scary monster in the loch, what people see sometimes but never when there's a film crew around? For the sake of this tour, yes. One of the mere notable residents of the area was black magician and Satanist Alistair Crowley. I mean, I didn't do any spells, but apparently being bald and mental is enough to qualify you as a magician. Now that everyone is intensely seasick, I'd like to invite you back to the hotel's whiskey and haggis tasting session. Hey, this is Daniel Barwella, Technology and Data Specialist. I'm here with... Kira Gowan, Ad Operations Specialist, and we are both worker owners here at Maximum Fun. October is National Co-op Month, so we're celebrating our brand new co-op and others with an event called... Co-Optober! We've got special events all month long, starting with a live Q&A on YouTube, where MaxFun worker owners will answer your questions on Friday, October 6th. And much more to come. We also want to tell you about some incredible limited edition merch exclusively available to MaxFun members until the end of October. If you're already a member of MaxFun, you've shown that you care about our shows and what we do. If you also want to help launch us into this new cooperative era and show off your support, go ahead and get yourself a hat, pin, or shirt. We worked with some of our favorite artists to make them really special. For details on merch, all of our upcoming events like Meetup Day and more, visit MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. Happy Co-Optober! Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.